Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to FixNation.com. Wow, what a crazy week and a, I will call it an odd conundrum to be in. You know, anger all over the U.S., anger in America, anger on both sides. Can I ask you why? I mean, I, I, think about that. Why? Why are both sides upset? Well, I think I have the answer. But you're going to have to stay tuned. Just saying. Wow. Crazy stuff. All right. Let's try and work through some of this. But I'm going to try something tonight. I don't do this a lot. Not at all. Um, Here at FixNation.com, what we try to do is we're solution-based. And I come on here, and commercial-free, you get your uh, live entertainment. And, of course, you love it so much, you send it out to all your friends and share this link. Point being, I'm going to give you a guest call-in number. So if you choose to, if you want to ask a question, tonight is your night. I might have to hold on for a little bit, but hey, we're going to give this a whirl. So area code, you ready? Write this down. Area code 657-383-0241. One more time. 657 383 0241. All right. Not that out of the way. What is Fix Nation? Let's kind of get some house cleaning out of the way. What FixNation.com is, is we are solution based. I am. Started about five years ago. Um, there are books three FixNation.com, Why Go Conservative, and One Grand Bargain. Available on Amazon.com, paperback or e reader, your choice. Um, then there was the website, fixstation.com. There are blog talk radio radio shows the last five years. There are Stitcher and iTunes rebroadcasts of that very show. Um, a lot of stuff going on. I am a what I will call an activist. Um, no, I'm I'm not someone who is, you know, I'm not a Black Lives Matter. I'm that's not 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 that kind of activist. I'm not someone who rages against the machine kind of a thing. I am someone who's taken a step beyond what I'll call the normal citizenry. Think about what you do every day. Go through your you know your job, you know the you know the 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 family, you got the kids thing going on, maybe a spouse, but really 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 not all that caught up in the politics on a day-to-day basis or thing. A lot of people at that level you know what their belief is? doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't affect my world. No matter who wins, I go to work. No matter who wins, my life goes on. They're wrong, but I get their point. Their point means I can't affect it, so I try. Here's the rub, though, for me. What we're talking about about five years ago Four years ago, I think. No, four, no, five. I take that back. I got frustrated, and something flipped, and I said, "You know what? I need a release. I need to to have a a way of saying what I want to say, because no one is going to listen to little old me." But that was four or five years ago. Now we sit here with you know, the book selling on four continents, three continents rather, you know, with you know, radio shows, with websites, um, doing radio interviews. It's it's an interesting world, I will say that. So why tonight? Why anger? Uh, if I had to sum up the year of twenty sixteen, one, the most odd year of politics ever in the history of politics. But, but, but anger peace is what really is unique. I'm hoping it is not a sign of things to come. I am hoping it can be resolved. The question is, can it? First off, we've got to figure out where it comes from. So I'm going to take you down a very convoluted path. Very. 
and then piece it together. Let's go out to San Francisco for a minute. You've got Kaepernick, the quarterback of San Francisco 49ers. Won't stand for the national anthem. Okay? Part of me says he has a right to do that. Part of me is outraged that he doesn't stand. Let's think it through just a tick. A guy being paid $114 million doesn't stand because the flag that he'd have to salute stands for purity, valor, and equality. Stands for the 50 states he lives in, and he stands for the 13 colonies which founded the country. Not good enough for him, obviously. Why won't he Prussian? Here's the sad part. He's not wrong, meaning the oppression piece. He's misdirected. He's misguided. He's alienating the wrong sect, and he's targeting the wrong sect. But that's whatever. That's, I mean, that's typical. He's fairly young. Here's one for you. The people that are oppressing, quote-unquote, if he's, I'm assuming he's referring to minorities, have to be Democrats. They've ruled the inner city locations for 50 plus years. Who's oppressing them? Now, I'll give GOP a slap on the wrist because they haven't brought anything to the party. They haven't countered that particular policy. They haven't countered the argument for probably 40 years. So why is he angry? Why is everybody angry from the inner cities? Let's dig a little deeper. Well, a couple things. Let's talk criminal justice. 1994, you had a remake of the sentencing guidelines. So now you've got ultra-harsh guidelines. Draconian was the term I heard. Because I speak to lawyers about this, by the way. You know, hey, walk me through this. How does it impact your world? And they just want to go off. Because there's a, a very interesting twist to the separation of powers thought at work here. If you want to put sentencing guidelines in place from a legislative end, aren't you kind of stepping over into the judicial branch and saying, you know what, although you have the right to judge, the right to the criminal sentencing piece, we don't trust you, so follow this guideline. Um, no, that's not the way it should be. The sentencing guideline needs to be backed off because the judicial power needs the right to make the right decision on a case-by-case basis because there are things at play that are not, are not quantifiable, use a better word. The fact that someone has a rap sheet that's three pages long doesn't mean that they deserve X or one piece long, you know, one, one count long. You need to think beyond because there's sometimes some contributing factors. Then you get into this, just the blatant discrimination of it all. Well, hold on a second. Do the judges perceive an African-American differently than a white. I certainly would hope not. Country I want, justice is blind. Nothing matters. I don't care what age you are, what gender you are, what race you are, what religion you are. Here are the facts. This is what we're doing. Period. But, again, it comes back to you need to trust the judge. All right. Here's the next piece of it. Let's step from criminal justice just around the corner to inner city poverty row. Here's the problem. Criminal justice, that's out of whack. You have inner city poverty, which mainly affects a racial minority. 
They can't get jobs. They have horrible education. The culture is being sabotaged by the very policies put in place by the Democrats. And it cycles down. I'm not going to quote the numbers because, quite honestly, it's it's worthless to regurgitate the same stuff over and over again. You know, just suffice it to say that every single number you could ever look at in the minority community of inner cities is horrific compared to historics. I mean, horrific. So if you're in the inner city, of course you're angry. Let's spin off that for a minute and go just really sideways. Why do you think Black Lives Matter even exists? Because they've been ignored. Because they are being forgotten. Because the hope does not spring eternal. Why do you think people in Chicago, black on black, shoot each other at numerous times through the course of a single day, no matter who you are or what you are? Because hope does not spring eternal in their world. Let's bring a whole 180. Let's go back to politics in Washington, D.C. for a second. So people talk this year about what they call, quote-unquote, the establishment. You know, that's a little like saying, well, you know, the emperor in Star Wars, you know, or the force. You know, something you really can't see or quantify till eventually that, that face becomes you know, revealed. Here's the problem. We know exactly who the establishment is on the face of it. It's the entrenched politicians who are there as a career. They're Democrat. They're Republican. That's not to bash anybody. It's just simply to point out a very simple fact. If you're there for a long, long time, you typically make friends across the board with people in power and people with money because everything in politics comes down to those two very simple things, power and money. And nobody in the establishment wants to give those up. They worked really, really hard to get there and really, really hard to protect it and will do anything to defend it. Anything. Remember that. It's important. They don't care what they have to do. They don't care what you think about it. You vote for them or vote against them. Does it matter to them? But once they get it, they're going to keep it at all costs. Hmm. So that means the people we elect doesn't really matter because we're screwed either way, right? No, not at all. It does mean choose wisely. And it does mean that we need to hold certain people accountable. That's just true in politics. How can you sit there and have someone represent you for two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, sixteen, twenty, forty, sixty years and never get it done for you and think in any way, ah, oh, but they tried. I want you to think about what a joke that is. And the joke's on you if you believe that's the case. Go to recent history. The first African American president was elected. The single biggest group that's been left behind under him is, oh, that's right, African-American. I want you to think about the lunacy of that for a minute. The very person that breaks through that ceiling to give African-Americans the hopes and dreams moving forward, that they too can be that guy, that girl, right? That very person. That guy who sells them on, I'm there for you, vote for me. The first group he forgets 
the last one to get anything at the table is his own. Wow. Picture of demoralized in the dictionary. It's got to be that. Because I don't get it. But we're going to move on because that's not about tonight. We're talking about anger. But being forgotten by people who have talked to you, promised you, coddled you, pandered to you, doesn't it matter? Doesn't it, does it mean something? Shouldn't words matter? Shouldn't actions matter? I think so. So now we have anger in America. Anger. And, but it's on both sides. And that's a conflicting piece for me. Like, why on both sides? Got to look for commonality. And sometimes in simple things. If, quote unquote, the establishments on both sides aren't getting it done, doesn't that mean that the anger at the bottom, both sides, could be directed at the establishments? Plural. Yep, sure can. General statement. It's about lack of responsiveness to the elected leadership to what our desires are. Right? We put people in power, they ignore us. We put people in power, they ignore us. I got a tip for you. That usually doesn't end well. Right? Doesn't end well. No matter how you slice it, doesn't end well. Hmm. So now what? Well, let's take a look at the binary option we have on the table. You have a Hillary Clinton on the table. Okay. She is the been there, done that representative. She is someone who literally has been there for 30 or 35 years around in and around Washington. She's a professional politician. All she has done her entire career has been to craft herself, mold herself into the politician she wants to be so she can be the president at some point in time. It's what she's done all of her life. That's the game she's played. It's, with some, it's where she wanted to go. It's where she's headed. Okay. There's another choice. The product of change, the product of anti-establishment, the very awkward, the very unpolished Donald Trump. Why do you like him? Because he's not a career politician. He's not everything you've always heard about as a politician. He's not the been there, done that kind of guy. He is the breath of fresh air. Why don't you like him? Because he's awkward. He says things that are just, oh, I don't know, irritating, offensive. Now, most of those irritating, offensive things are momentary. When she does things that are bad, they usually cost lives. What do you think about that? When she does things, they threaten national security. His awkward moments are pimples compared to what she does, which are horrific assaults on the body violently. But again, that's perspective. If you're from her side of the coin, maybe she gets it done. But let's think about getting it done. Let's just, let's just walk through that for a minute. All right, I'm going to remind you about the phone number, because I do want to take some calls tonight, if you uh, have that in you. 657-383-0241. All right, give us a call. Um, What does she bring to the table? Let's talk about the, there's basically three options on the table, meaning three topics. Three tops on the table are economy, immigration, national security. Here's the Hillary Clinton program in a nutshell. She wants to, and I quote, stay the course with what Obama's been doing, yet raise taxes. She wants to, national security, increase the refugee rate 
by 500% and have open borders. On immigration, it's open borders. She's all about families, so she focuses on the the immigrant themselves, not on the country. And she's going to give amnesty to anyone who is illegally here. Now, politically, that's going to get her a lot of votes. But as someone who is an American, who physically lives here, who was born here, who was raised here, who cares about what the United States of America actually becomes and is, I'm not really sure about any of those things being positive. Anything I said about her, every single thing that I just said about Hillary Clinton, and it's, a, it's, a, it's in a nutshell, is pretty much destructive for America itself. Let's talk about Trump. Economically, he wants to do things like energy reform, needed. Repeal regulations, needed. Reform taxes, needed. National security, he wants a strong military and a strong defense. He wants to up our security, makes total sense. He wants to ban Muslims until they can be vetted properly, makes total sense. Immigration, he wants a fair but compassionate policy. He wants a strong border to protect us. He wants to deal compassionately in some way, we'll find out tomorrow, with the illegals that are here in our country. So it, it's not like he's in la-la land. His policies make total sense. But people look at the hair, they hear his personality, they read his tweets, and they go, oh my God, he's offensive, I can't stand him. Let me get this right. And this is what makes me angry. I'm talking about anger in America. Why, in the name of all Tolly, would you want to vote for someone who has left people who have been slaughtered in Benghazi on the field, basically because she had to pay more attention to campaign fundraisers and you know her vacations and crap like that? Like, there's nothing you can say that makes that okay. If you delete 30,000 emails from a server which never should have existed, how in the name of all that's holy isn't that intentional? That was the one thing the FBI couldn't find, intent. She intentionally had a server in her basement. She intentionally had secure things redirected. She intentionally deleted them. There's nothing unintentional about that. It was all intentional. You could say it's innocent. It's all intentional. She did it with the intent of doing it. Intent doesn't mean you intentionally wanted to break the law. Intent means you did it with a purpose. She absolutely had a purpose in everything she did. She always does. So now, the question is, what's now? What do we do? Anger in America. Immigration topic for a split second. So basically we have immigration, which, by the way, Trump sounds a lot like Reagan did back in the 80s, where he had to give designated entity status and a citizenship to people who are here illegally. Here's the weird part. If you're conservative then, you're like, okay, it's Reagan, wee! If you're conservative now, you do? You're upset with Trump. That confuses me greatly. We literally need to take a step back and rethink some of these things. In the order of priorities, by the way, national security, number one on the agenda in this election year. National security, by far. Economy is number two. Immigration is number three. Anger in America. I'm going to say this. I don't think that anger in America can be pointed at and say, oh, it's the economy. It's national security. It's immigration. It might be criminal justice reform or poverty in the inner city. I don't think you look at one thing and say, oh, it's this. Nope. 
think it's a big compilation of things. A lot of it comes back to the same feel, for lack of a better word. If you have a group, the establishments, that make promises and then don't deliver, how would you feel? If you have your lot in life decay right in front of you, you know, your savings goes down, your wages go down, your employment outlook goes down, your security goes down, don't, don't you start to get frustrated and angry? Of course you do. The good news is we can channel that politically for change. And here's the interesting thing about anger slash change in 2016. Will it, will it cause people to walk in the voters' booth and pull a lever they're not used to pulling? Will they want change enough to go from Clinton to Trump? Will they, will they want change enough to go from Democrat, change enough to be an independent who used to go Democrat to swing over and go Republican? Will they be angry enough to go for someone who, although awkward, stands for something that's different? Or will it be the, oh, different day, same outcome, kind of mentality. Well, I'm angry, but not that angry. Because insanity is, in fact, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you've been ignored in the past and you keep voting that way, you will be ignored in the future. Let's go down that path for a split second. Donald Trump happens to be courting the minority voter. Now, here's the interesting piece. Because I watched this all play out. I'm a third party. It doesn't apply to me. I'm not Trump, and I'm also not a minority. But when he does this, yes, he's trying to gain vote. But look at how he's doing this. He speaks from his heart. He has a message that's real. And it will, in fact, impact that world, the inner city, the minority. It will change that dynamic. And what's his phrase? What do you have to lose? Something like that? Yeah, he's not wrong. If what you have is in fact broken, don't you want to reach out to almost anybody you can to try and fix it? And if you have something that's broken, don't you want it fixed? Would you go back to the guy or girl who broke it and say, by the way, fix it so they can ignore you for the next four years and not fix it? Wow. I don't know what some people are waiting on. I don't have enough patience to wait 50 years and keep voting for people even though they do nothing for me. I don't have that kind of patience. I mean, it's got to be amazing to do that. But I will say this. I think there's been an awakening, although it's an unusual awakening. The National Urban League created what's called the Main Street Marshall Plan. I mentioned it because when reading it, the president, I think, of the National Urban League, 43 year, by the way, congratulations, talks about how trillions of dollars and decades has not moved the needle. I would just think about that phrase. Trillions of dollars and decades, plural, has not, and I quote, moved the needle. I, one, if you don't get sad thinking about that, you're, you're, you're not really thinking right. Trillions over decades no move. Wow. Tip for you. If you spend trillions on something and it doesn't move, you got issues. If you spend decades on something 
and don't move the needle. you got issues. But if you spend trillions and you spend decades and still nothing moves, talk about a bad, bad policy and plan. Wow. So now where are we? Well, they wrote the Main Street Marshall Plan. And basically it's calling out for a new path, for a, a, new, a, new, a, uh, new, a new way. Got to change the plan. Okay. In thought and theory, I agree. The goals and the premise, totally agree with them. <laughs> but the plan they wrote involves spending trillions over more time. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Now, I don't mean to embarrass anybody. That's not my point. But I think Trump has something to offer. The private sector, when you're someone who's a businessman, you want to get it done. And you don't want to waste a lot of money or time doing it because that's literally lost profit for you as a businessman, right? Time kills you and money spent kills you. You've got to save on both. So here's Trump. I think he has an absolute window to go buddy up. And I didn't say capitulate. I didn't say be something he's not. And say that. I would encourage every politician to be real. Completely be real. This is who I am. This is what I think. Here's from my heart what I believe I can do for you. Vote for me. Because then when you get there, you simply have to live who you are. You have to be something you're not. Why do I say that? Be something you're not. Hmm. Let's take another leg around the uh, old ball field. Let's talk about Hillary Clinton for a split second. Who is Hillary Clinton? Hmm. She wants to raise taxes on the wealthy. She wants to raise the estate tax. Now, see, when people hear that, oh, she's going after the rich. Here's the funny piece about that. Her New York estate is owned by two LLCs and she won't pay a dime in estate taxes because that's how crafty they are. Okay? Just so we're clear. She paid 43% tax this year. Ooh, on what her 5 or 10 million, whatever it was. Yeah, but let's think it through. One, in the history of history, she's never paid that amount. She did that to make it look good for politics. What's the average on her last five years? Right. She stood on stage, said, raise taxes on the middle class with Warren Buffett, the billionaire, sitting behind her, clapping loudly. By the way, he pays less in taxes as percent than his secretary does. Why? Because they understand the current system better than me and you. Why do you think there is a Clinton Foundation? Because they can funded, funnel hundreds of millions through it with zero tax impact. Where do you think her expenses go? Yep. Why? Because it's tax-exempt. Therefore, it doesn't really matter, does it? what she pays on a personal level. She games the system. Why? Because she is, in fact, the upper 2%. Who donates to her campaign? 48 million strong and counting come from Wall Street. Donald Trump, 19,000. 48 million, Hillary Clinton, 19,000, Donald Trump. She is bought and paid for by Wall Street. She takes foreign money. She takes PAC money. She takes Wall Street money. She is absolutely an elitist in a finance standpoint. Is not in any way an elitist or owned by anybody. And you want to know why there's anger in America? Because when she gets in, she's going to listen to where the money came from. She has zero responsibility to people like me and you. And all that's tragic, it's also true. Let's go closer to home for a second. 
I did some quick little research the other day. Found something a little interesting. Chuck Schumer, who's a senator for for uh, New York, where I live, went to the financial disclosure forms from the Federal Election Commission, and from the brief little you know snapshot I looked at, over 8,000 people donated to his individual, as individuals to his campaign. Less than 50% of those were based out of New York. Would you think about that for a split second? But by the way, it gets worse. He has another. They got they, the way the disclosure agreements format. This is like a committee or something like that, or people who commit to a certain whatever. So he's got about another three million that he raised. Another three million. There are 187 people or donors that contribute. Guess how many came from New York of 187? Guess how many? It's a New York sitting senator. Here's the answer. Ready? 12. 12 out of 187. Now, here's the, just the ludicrous piece about that. And I'm combining Clinton with Schumer. They're very similar beasts. If you look at the resume, they're wonderful. Money raised in campaigning, phenomenal. If you look at, you know, what they say, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Here's the chase, though. That doesn't matter, does it? What have they done for you? If you're in the inner city right now in the last eight, eight years, how in the name of all that's holy can you sit there and have a positive thought about President Obama, what he's done for you, because he hasn't done anything. If you're someone who thinks about foreign policy and Hillary Clinton, do you really think that because she's Secretary of State, that's a good thing? Or Secretary of State in this particular case is a badge of dishonor because of all the horrors that she created, allowed, and festered across the planet. If you're someone who's a sitting politician, you are in fact the establishment. You are in fact the anger focus. Um, aren't you kind of the issue? And if you wrap it all up in a nice little package with a little bow on it, aren't you the, the real, real, really big problem if you in fact – are taking campaign donations from people that you don't represent and are now no longer accountable to those people who you do represent and owned, bought, and paid for by the very people that donated to you. Why do you think we're angry? Because everything about this system reeks for the American citizen slash taxpayer. I'm going to go back to Colin Kaepernick for a minute. I don't like the fact that he didn't stand for the national anthem. Not a bit. I'm outraged. But I will say this. Given what I've just said over the last half hour, i got a tip for you. I do get it. Is he, quote-unquote, oppressed? He's not. But he's trying to have a voice for the people across this planet, this country, that are, in fact. Why? Because they've been forgotten and ignored. And that's pathetic and sad. Because we have a wonderful, beautiful country. Wonderful, beautiful country. What does that mean? It means we have an obligation as leaders. When you get elected... You are obligated to go fight for the people who put you there. You're obligated to do what's in the best interest of the country. You are obligated to go fight the moral fight. Do you make my world better? Yes or no? Come re-election time, that's all I've got to ask myself. Yes or no, will Hillary Clinton make your world better? 
I don't know how you can come up with a yes. Literally. You can say yes if you're going to vote Democrat. You can say yes if you're only going to vote because she happens to be female. I get that. But you can't say yes if she's going to make your world better. How? Your economy will get worse. Obamacare will get worse. Regulation will get worse. Foreign relations will get worse. Immigration will get worse. Crime will get worse. Hi. Please, stop me. This isn't crazy land. This is literally the reality of it all. And it makes me sad because she's in the catbird seat right now, which tells me something about the people who answer phone calls and do polls. I don't understand them. Literally. I'd love to have a focus group of just those people and have them try to explain to me how she is the better choice. Now, if you're going to come back with, well, you know, he's a crazy man, his personality, he has mean tweets, let me get this right. The fact that she let people die in Benghazi and literally did zero about it. Zero. Not one single thing. Not one response. That's okay with you. But Trump misspelling somebody's name in a tweet offends you. Trump saying he wants to ban Muslims until they can be vetted properly, which gets spun by the media as ban Muslims, which gets spun by the media again as he's racist, upsets you. Interesting. So, he wants to keep out are the people who killed the ambassador and fellow Americans in Benghazi. So, are you saying you're siding with the terrorists? You kind of understand where I'm going with that? It doesn't make any sense. She wants to raise taxes. Translation, kill an economy which is on fumes right now, by the way. He wants to reduce taxes like Kennedy, Democrat, and like Reagan, Republican, okay, both of which inspired an economy and got positive sales growth out of it. Here's the weird part about that piece, by the way. When the CBO scores any kind of a plan, they score it and they say, oh, by the way, you know, you you do understand that you know, when you reduce taxes, we don't project any sales growth from that. But you think about that, how ludicrous that is. Of course there's sales growth. But the rules of the CBO are you don't get any sales bounce up from that. Just like if you raise taxes, there's no sales decline because of it. It's retarded. It's ridiculous. It is one of those things you have to deal with. So if you're Trump, you kind of have to explain that. And if you're her, Hillary, you really don't. Anger in America. The weird part is, where'd it all come from? And where's it all going to go? Get Bernie Sanders. And he really rallied the troops, which is outstanding in a great way. Because I, I, I love when people get passionate about politics. I don't really care you think like me. I do care that you have a voice, that you, that you think it through. You truly, truly, in your heart of hearts, believe that Hillary Clinton is your best option. And you go vote that way. Well, at least you're voting. At least you're, you know using that, that right and privilege. The people that bug me, the people that actually stay home. You stay home, why? Well, I wanted Cruz, and, you know, he's not in, so, oh, I just can't vote for Trump. 
okay, stay home. So by default, you'll be stuck with Hillary for four years. Most incumbents get reelected, Hillary eight years. You just buried this country. You think Obama's bad? Good luck. She will turn this country over after eight years, 30-plus trillion dollars in debt, almost a bankrupt entitlements because she wants to expand Social Security. Forget the fact it's going to go bankrupt in 13 or 14 years. She wants to expand it. My first question, how do you want to pay for it? No one in the media has asked. That's tragic. It's sad. Of course, let's go back to Schumer for a second. Do you know some of his uh, donations come from the National Broadcasters Association? Isn't that weird? Why would the National Broadcasters Association contribute to someone's campaign? Who's Hillary Clinton's number two supporter? University of California. Wait a second. Isn't that a public institution? Yep. Why are they donating to a political campaign? Isn't that kind of weird? So your tax dollars go to an entity that gets funneled to a party. Hmm. The media funds Schumer. Hmm. I just think that's bizarro. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's good with politics. He's, he's good with uh, the media. So it might be a little, you know, pay for play in his case. All right. I don't really care either way. I will say this. It's a little, it's, it's tainted, it's disgusting. It's not right. Big fan, if you're going to take money from outside New York for the bulk of it, why? They just, I want you to think about that. Why? If you're Chuck Schumer, you're taking huge dollars, like almost $20 million he's raised. You're taking huge dollars from outside New York. Why? I mean, read the disclosure listing. It's a who's who. We're talking about chairmans and vice chairmans. You're talking about CEOs, CFOs, COOs, attorneys, accountants. They are the upper 1% or 2% on the planet. Why? Access. Simple answer, access. A lot of similarities between, between Clinton and Schumer. Career politicians, elitists. And funding from it doesn't matter. I think that reeks. And as a New Yorker, I'm offended. Now, is Schumer someone who politically speaks my, my, my speak? No, he's not. So it's really not a surprise. But here's, here's the weird piece. That's not what offends me. It's the process, right? That's what angers me. Let's go back to Obamacare. Let's think about it. How they did this. They forced it through in the dark of night under Democrat control without letting people read it. Remember that? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Here you go. And before we knew it hit us, bang, here you go. Then once we read it, we were outraged. 70% of the people, population, hated Obamacare. Still is about 65%, by the way, that hate it. It's not a bill we were thrilled with, ever. It's not a bill we like now. And as it starts to spin its downward cycle, okay, what are we supposed to do? Because she's only going to double down on it. That's her policy. He wants to repeal and replace. But do we have the courage to elect someone to make those kind of bold changes? Ah, is it about courage or is it about foresight? Right? What angers me is the process. What about take something that kidnaps one-sixth of the GDP and put it out for public debate, put it out for consumption, put it out in town halls, put it out in focus groups, kick it around for six months, they bring it back to Congress and start shaping the policy around what we think and how we think. If you do that, you end up with something that's a lot more endeared to the fabric of Americana. That's what offends me. 
the process. Let's go back to Clinton and Schumer. I don't care you want to be a career politician. You know what offends me? You raise money from foreigners to get reelected. You raise money from outside the state of New York to get reelected. That's an abuse to me. You want to get elected in New York? Then raise money in New York, New York exclusively. What do people have outside New York have any say about politics in New York? That's offensive. Typical, probably. I'm not that. I'm. I, I don't wade that into deep waters of politics. I really don't care. I care about my leadership and how accountable they are. So here's the problem. You know what Chuck Schumer's done for New York? Has reformed our taxes. Has reformed immigration. What has he done for us? What's he done for us lately? And no, this isn't a beat up on Chuck Schumer moment. But it's an easy example of, you know, he's been, you realize he's been in politics for 41 years? And what has he done that's been worthwhile? Weird part. I can't think of a single thing. Does a lot of talk shows, you know. He does media sound bites here and there. He's got that kind of stuff going for him. That's not what I'm talking about at all. At all. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being there for our state and bringing back what? Delivering on us. Because if you don't deliver for us, don't we do? We get angry. Think about if you're in the inner city of New York and you're in poverty. What has he done for you lately? If you're a minority, Hispanic, black, etc., what has he done for you lately? If you're oppressed in a small business or any kind of a business, corporate even, what has he done for you lately? I mean, I know he's good with banks. His top nine donors are all banks. Of course, they want his his you know I don't know his muscle in in Washington. That's a lobbyist effort. You get my point though, right? If he hasn't helped you in business, helped you personally, if he hasn't made your world a better place directly by his activity in the Senate, why are you putting him back in office? And the same thing's true for Hillary Clinton. I just don't get it. It's time for change. We can be angry all we want, but one thing FixNation.com does, we try to bring solutions, and this is the year of the change. This is, in fact, the year of the change. You can be angry all you want, but you've got to focus that energy. You've got to be willing to be courageous and pull the lever, okay, and be different. Have a great night. Share this with somebody else. God bless.